Always helps if you turn the microphone on. Today, our scripture readings center around the subject of God's law. Please try to keep your excitement to a minimum. We're going to be talking about God's rules, God's laws. Ugh. We don't usually like rules or laws, do we? Here's a story that I think exemplifies why. This is like a parenting nightmare story, okay? A couple of years ago, a mom in Mississippi got really creative in attempting to um, get her kids to see the importance of following rules. Maybe she was a little overzealous. I'll let you decide. She has her kids who have recently, I guess, been disobedient in this way or that. They've broken some rules. She has them write down on some signs in large letters what their trespasses are. Then she sends them down to the corner of a busy street where she has them hold up their signs during a, a large traffic hour. Now, if this wasn't, if this kind of public shaming wasn't bad enough for these kids, right, the local town newspaper picks up the story and covers it. So here's what the journalist says. Two very unhappy teenagers, no kidding, stood at a busy street corner during a peak traffic hour. Guess what night this was? Was it a Tuesday? Was it a Wednesday? No. Third, no. Friday night. So all their friends are out, peak traffic hour, and there's Dee Dee and her brother Trey out there on the street corner. Dee Dee's sign read, I am disrespectful and don't listen in school. Ouch. Her 13-year-old brother Trey's sign said, I'm going to be in jail because I like stealing. <laughs> the mother said, look, I have two disobedient teenagers. They don't want to listen. They don't follow the rules. And every, it, it seems like I've tried everything. Nothing's working. They lie. They steal. And, and this is a quote. They act a fool in school. They act a fool in school. I'm not going to raise liars and I'm not going to raise thieves. So, Dee Dee and Trey, get on out there on the street corner. Hold up your signs. Now, all I have to say to that is if you see Daphne holding up a, a sign in the dean's courtyard that says, I refuse to take naps, <laughs> you're going to know just how desperate Mindy and Josh got, right? Here's the thing, with complete apologies to that desperate mom, I, I think we can acknowledge her pain, with complete apologies to her, God's rules, God's laws are different. God, surprise, surprise, is not out to shame you with his law. He's probably, I mean, who knows? He's probably not going to send you out to stand at the corner of Magnolia and whatever, holding up a sign about the law that you've broken. It's, this is just not the heart of God. My hope today is that you would leave this cathedral loving cherishing, treasuring, not being afraid of God's law, loving it, loving it. Here are three reasons why I think that you can love God's law. They're really easy to remember, faith, hope, and love. Faith, 
hope, and love. God's law, these, these are, you could call them the mores of God's law, to use bad grammar. There's more faith, both required and increased. Your faith is in, required and increased in God's law. There's more hope. Your hope is required and increased as you obey God's law. And then love, faith, hope, and love. Let me show you these from our Scripture passages. Take out that Scripture insert if you have it. Follow along. More faith. There's more faith involved in God's law. That's why you can love it. Look at the passage from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, Moses tells Israel. If you obey the commandments of the Lord our God, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. Further down in the passage, more reasons to take faith, to believe, to trust in God, in His law. Moses says, choose life. God's law is a matter of life and death. You may not see it now, but that's just the way it is. Choose life, Israel is told. Choose life so that you and your descendants will live loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, holding fast to Him, for that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Remember the definition of faith from the book of Hebrews? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You may not see all the reasons why God's law is in place. You may not understand it. You may not be able to comprehend it even in a human way. But by faith, you are asked to say yes. Trust in God's law. I love the way author Frederick Buechner talks about, uh, well, about law. He says, you know, in the universe, there are kind of two different laws. One law stipulates the way things ought to be. That is to say, for example, you ought to drive 35 miles per hour or below on Orange Avenue. That's what, now, that's not necessarily what happens. I mean, of course, I drive 30, 33 miles per hour. That's the way things ought to be. But there's another kind of law in the universe, Beekner says, and this law is just the way things are. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or agree with it or obey it or not. For example, the law of gravity, right? It's the law the way things ought to be, and there's the law of the way things are. Beekner says, we often look at God's law, the Ten Commandments, as just the way things ought to be. And Beekner says, wait a minute, that, that's, not really, that's not really it. The Ten Commandments, God's law, that's just the way things are. It's like gravity. Beekner says, like it or not, God's law is the way things are. If you don't believe it, you can always put it to the test just the way if you don't believe the law of gravity, you can always step out of a 10th story window. Buechner argues God's law is just the way things are. It's like the law of gravity. Can you see the law of gravity? No, and yet you believe it's true. This is why God's law can be loved. It requires your faith, but I promise you it will increase your faith. God's law will bring you life. God's law will bring you life, even if it brings you discomfort. Here's the second reason you can love God's law. This comes from the gospel passage. God's law is driven, driven by love, not by legalism. 
God's law is driven by love, not by legalism. Jesus comes out in today's gospel passage, and all of the people say, not amen, but uh uh-oh, right? He ups the ante. He interprets God's law from the Old Testament. This is exactly um, one one of the things that Matthew's doing is he's showing his audience that Jesus is the guy. Jesus is the son, the king, the son of God, the king of the universe. Jesus is the Messiah. And how do we know that? Because only the Messiah can definitively interpret God's law. So Jesus does that, but then things get really uncomfortable because he says, the scribes and the Pharisees these religious elite, the people who study the law, are actually missing the point. They're doing God's law, but they're just doing it at a level of behavior. And God's law is driven by more than behavior. It's driven by your being. Not just behavior, your being. That is to say, not just your actions, but your heart. Now, this makes sense because God is, finish that sentence from the Scriptures, God is love. So the laws that come out of God, the laws that God the Father sets up for humanity, they are loving to us. Jesus is God incarnate. So when Jesus speaks about the law, we can assume, we can bank on the fact that He is spelling out for us love. Let me show you the specifics. Here are the examples He gives. Of course, interestingly, all of the Old Testament commandments Jesus is interpreting in this passage have to do with what? Loving neighbor. Let's walk right through them. Jesus says, don't just refrain from murder. That's a good behavior. Don't kill people. That's a good start. But love your neighbor so well that even your anger doesn't touch him. You see how love drives that law? Don't just refrain from betraying your neighbor. Oh, that's a good start. Love your neighbor so well that you never objectify him or her in a sexual, selfish way. You see how love drives that? Keep going. Don't make your neighbor wonder if you're telling the truth or not. Love your neighbor so well in how honest you are that you never need to swear on it. Love is the goal of God's law. And Jesus alone has fulfilled it. We didn't read this verse, but a couple verses prior to our passage, Jesus gives this great summary statement about everything he's about to say in regards to the law. He says, I did not come to abolish God's law. I came to fulfill it. I came to fulfill it. Therefore, in other words, Christian, There's more love in God's law than you may have ever imagined because Jesus, the embodiment, the completion, the accomplishment, the fulfillment of God's law, loves you and me. There's a a popular quote, it's everywhere it seems, that Christianity, and I think this is a well-meaning quote, it's just, in, 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 in my estimation, it's just misguided that Christianity is, is, a, is not a religion full of rules, it's a relationship. It's, Christianity is not a religion full of rules, it's a loving relationship. Listen, it may seem to us that God's laws and rules exist to hamper our fun or to turn a loving relationship into a legalistic, robotic one, 
But in fact, the opposite is true. In obedience to God's law, we come face to face in the mundane aspects of our life with love himself. You want to get to know Jesus. You want to know what Jesus is like. Obey God's law. You will find out. God's law is more faithful, requires more faith, invites more faith, increases more faith than you ever thought. And God's law requires more love and increases more love than you ever thought. Here's the third reason you can love God's law. It's more hopeful. In our psalm today, we prayed these words, happy are they whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are they who observe his decrees and seek him with all their hearts. When I pray words like that, I don't know about you, but I think, wait a minute, I'm not happy. I'm just guilty. I don't feel excited. I feel discouraged. I don't think I'll ever be able to obey God's laws to the fullest. Some days it feels like all I do is fail God's laws. Reading the gospel today, I just thought again, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to love my neighbor that well. But I want to tell you there is more hope in God's law than you may have ever imagined. And our epistle reading gives us a hint as to why. Look at that passage. St. Paul here is talking about the spiritual growth of the church at Corinth, and he makes the point, he makes the point twice, in fact, that God is, that it's God and not Paul, God and not Apollos, who gives spiritual growth. This is the hope, this is the hope of God's law. God is the one who enables you to obey His law. Friend, God is the one who also offers you forgiveness when you disobey His law. So you don't have to be afraid of God's law. You can just jump into it. Give it a try. Give it a try. There's freedom to fail in the gospel because the growth, your growth, your enablement to do God's law is dependent on Him and not you. Jesus lives in you. The Spirit empowers you to do that. This is exactly what we prayed in our collect. This is exactly what we prayed in the collect for the sixth Sunday of Epiphany. O God, the strength of all who put their trust in you. So if you put your trust in God, he will be your strength. Then we pray, mercifully accept our prayers. And because in our weakness, we can't do anything good without you, give us the help of your grace. That's like saying, God, give me the power to do what you've asked me to do so that in keeping your commandments we may please you both in will and in deed. So there's more hope in God's law because he's both your power to do it and the forgiveness, he gives you forgiveness when you mess it up. So this is why we can say with the psalmist again and again and again, happy are they, happy are they whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Now, as we come to God's table together and we think about what it means to love God's law, I just want to remind you how often in the First Testament God's people talked, listen now, God's people talked about eating the law. Let me give you a few verses to jog your memory. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are they who trust in him, the psalmist says. 
Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, from the prophet Jeremiah. Later on, Psalm 119, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From the prophet Ezekiel, listen to this. He said to me, son of man, eat this scroll and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Remember that old 80s and 90s serial TV commercial? If you want to be like Mike, you got to eat your Wheaties. Christian, if you want to obey God's law, you must eat it. You must consume it. And isn't it funny that that's what Christians do every single Sunday. In the body and blood of our Lord, the one who is God's law personified, he completes the law and we are about to consume him. We, we become what we eat. By eating his flesh and drinking his blood, God enables us to obey his law and he offers us forgiveness when we fail. So this is how at least today, you and I can leave this place not being afraid of God's law, but actually loving it, embracing it, saying, Lord, would you change me through it? Would you change me through it? I'll close with a little piece of a hymn that I learned when I was a kid in church. This will be our prayer. It went like this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.